So for the Peterson Automotive Museum and Car Stories, my name is AJ. Today I am joined by Hot Wheels Design Manager, Brian Benedict, and we also have Ian Cartibiano. Close enough? Perfect. Okay. He is the Studio Chief Designer at Calti Design Research Incorporated. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to both of you guys because you two uh, are leaders in your design industry, and you do completely different things, um, but you're so... S- uh, similar and close, and we're here to discuss uh, the Toyota Dream Car Art Contest, which is a way for children to not only flex their creative muscles, but really know and learn there's a possibility out there um, to become people like you, to become designers, to become artists. Um, I think there's a, a lot of children in the world who have the potential, but they don't exactly know what to do with it. So I want to get into both of your guys' stories and figure out how you came to be from just a kid who was into drawing and cars and uh, to where you guys are sitting here today now. So let's, let's start with the both of you. We'll, uh, we'll start with Brian. What is your earliest automotive memory? Wow. Uh, oh, go ahead. Pick up the microphone and talk into it. All right. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah well, it goes all the way back. I mean, I've I been drawing cars ever since I can remember, and I grew up... Um, with five older brothers and my dad, who were all uh, car guys. And so got a lot of inspiration from that early on. Um, when I was five years old is actually when I first told my mom I wanted to design cars for a living. And she actually told me I was crazy. She said that wasn't a job, that you can't get paid for drawing cars. And I thought I remember even thinking as a five-year-old, like, well, somebody's got to do it, right? Like, things don't just look the way they do on their own. So... I, I kind of stuck with it, even though my family thought I was crazy, and uh, kept pursuing it, kept drawing every day, and by the time I was 12, I actually uh, wrote a letter to General Motors and asked them, is this really a job? And uh, they were nice enough to write me back and give me tons of uh, insight into how to pursue a career in design. So, the rest What did your parents want you to do in lieu of being an automotive designer? <laughs> Well, I grew up on a farm, on a dairy farm, and um, so I was expected to go into farming, uh, as all my older brothers uh, did at one point. Um, They're all out of it now, but um, yeah, so uh, we were a farm family, so that was kind of uh, the only course for me. (laughs) You would think you could at least explain, hey, Dad, the John Deere we have in the back, someone had to have designed that. That didn't just come out of, you know, thin air. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> and Ian, what about you? What is your earliest automotive memory? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. My actual earliest memory is car-related. Actually, part of your guys' stuff. So my actual earliest memory is losing a Matchbox car. And uh, if I think about it, it's really crazy. So it's like, I think I was three or something, and I had already had a huge collection of Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars, and I... I remember panicking because I couldn't find my favorite Matchbox car. So my actually earliest memory is car-related, so I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> but maybe that's a you know, little bit of the future right there. Um, I think my background, I think we're all kind of similar. We, we have this passion for car design that um, you can't shake. Um, I have a little bit funny background in that uh, my dad was a toy designer, and my mom was a, a fine artist. She was a painter. 
And so I already had that in the background. Um, but additionally, my father's side of the family, this is in the East Coast in Connecticut, my father's side of the family were um, gearheads. Um, so they had cars in the front yard, but instead of like kind of normal rundown cars, they were Alfa Romeos and Jaguars on blocks. <laughs> so we were kind of the the Italian trash family <laughs> in uh, in Connecticut. But um, so I was growing up with these exotic cars in uh, in my father's side of the family. Uh, my uncle was racing cars at uh, Lime Rock. Um, we always had these weird collection of cars. So uh, that kind of combination of uh, drawing from the artistic side of the family and then the gearhead side of the family was kind of a natural combo. So my dad always jokes, it's like, uh, what else were you going to do? It was kind of destiny. So I kept drawing and drawing. I mean, my homework, I, I think I laugh at it. If I look back at my homework from grade school, like all my math assignments have car doodles in the upper right corner. In fact, um, one thing that I used to do was uh, when I was seven or eight, I used to copy the, uh, in Road and Track magazine at the time, they used to have this thing called the Road Test Summary, and it was a side view schematic drawing of a car with all the facts and figures. So I used to uh, copy that on index cards and make my own, <laughs> make my own flash cards of car facts. So I would draw the side view of a car. I still remember drawing like a 928 Porsche and a Corvette and a 944 Turbo, and then on the other side, writing all the facts and figures on it. And I still have those. It's stashed away in a little collection of mine at home. So I kept drawing, and I always I felt like, ah, this is really what I want to do. Um, my dad being in the toy business, we moved all over the country. And um, when I was in uh, middle school in the Midwest, he was working for Tonka Toys at the time for the trucks. Um, I joined... Uh, did an uh, automobile quarterly contest, design contest, for kids in car design. And um, I actually made it to the quarterfinals, and I got published. And that was the first, like, wow, I can actually do this. Then we moved to California, and within two weeks of moving to California, my dad and I went to a school up in Pasadena called Art Center College of Design because I already knew about it. And I'm like, that's where I want to go. So it's kind of funny, like, moving to California couldn't believe it. Palm trees, surf, sunshine, everybody's skateboarding. It's like the best place on earth. And then what do I want to do? I want to go to Art Center and see all the car models. So I went up to Art Center, um, checked it out, fell in love with it. Um, I actually, through high school, I did, took a lot of art classes. I went to Saturday High School at Art Center. They had a summer program for high school kids and did that. And um, uh, that was my plan, so uh, didn't go there right out of high school, did a little bit of community college, and uh, went to Art Center from 94 to 97, and I never had pushback from my family, so because of the, the car stuff and the art stuff, it was always like, oh, that's really cool, that's really exciting. My dad did say, you know, if you really love cars, maybe you should be a lawyer <laughs> and make the money to buy the cars you really want. Instead of because he was a designer, so he knows the truth about <laughs> yeah. the design field. Um, but you know, uh, I think I consider myself really lucky because I was always supported in this direction, and um, it is a dream job. It's kind of a hobby, which is a good, again a good and bad thing. And uh, I went to went through Art Center. I did an internship at Porsche in Germany, 
which was mind-blowing experience for a 21-year-old me. And I'd never been out of the country ever in my entire life. So my first trip out of the country, I was in Stuttgart, or Weissach. And uh, that was I still one of my best memories of my entire life. And uh, here we are today talking about it. So a uh, long journey, but I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of programs with uh, uh, career days at local junior high schools. And I always try to pitch that if you love to draw and you love art, there are a lot of careers out there for you. So I'm a strong believer that if you really want to do this, you can do this. And I think what is so neat with the both of you is you both are graduates from Art Center. Um, Ian, you're now a professor, a teacher at Art Center, and you're giving back and you're shaping the next generation. I feel like 98.5% of any designer I've ever talked to is at least gone to or somehow affiliated with Art Center. Um, I'd like you guys to speak a little bit about the college and what it does for a designer because I think when a lot of people think... I wouldn't call it a trade school, but maybe a, a you know a performing school, a an artistic school. It's not, you know, you're not going there um, to become a lawyer or to become a doctor. It's not USC, it's not UCLA, but it's not an easy school. In fact, I, you guys all seem like you're in on this joke that you give like a wink and a nod because you all went through Art Center together, and, and it's like you guys have become brethren because you're Art Center graduates. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I first discovered Art Center um, through that letter to GM, actually. Um, that was one of the two schools they recommended. It was either Art Center or Center for Creative Studies. And um, I decided I wanted to stay on the West Coast, so um, that's where I was going to go. So from the time I was 12, I decided that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, I, so I, I worked hard from that point on to try to make it into Art Center. Um, but funny thing is, like, not everybody knows... Um, if you're not if you're not in the the world of design, um, don't necessarily know the, the caliber of caliber of school that Art Center is. So my high school guidance counselor was strongly uh, pushing me away from Art Center, saying, "Well, that's just one of those little trade schools. That, that's not going to get you anywhere." And uh, but she had no idea what what kind of school Art Center actually was, and uh, she was trying to push me to be an accountant. Uh, which I can't even imagine pursuing that. <laughs> um, definitely didn't fit me. But um, but anyway, I, so I, despite sort of the the naysayers, um, you know, I, I decided to to pursue that that career, and um, uh, I ended up. I started at um, a school in Seattle uh, briefly, Art Art Institute of Seattle, just to try to. Um, uh, you know, sharpen up my skills a little bit because I, I didn't even try to get in Art Center initially because I thought, well, it's going to be too hard to get in. So I, I thought I'd uh, do a little um, brushing up at, at this other school. Um, I, I realized very quickly that I wasn't really learning enough there. So I decided to go ahead and um, apply to Art Center. And so a few months into um, my education in Seattle, I, I sent my um, application in and I got accepted into Art Center. So quickly moved down to L.A. and uh, uh, started there in, what was that, 90, 91, I guess. Um, and uh, I realized very quickly that it was a very brutal place, <laughs> um, but an excellent, excellent learning environment. I mean, this is amazing. And, and what are some of the things you learned? Because I, I do think being a, an artist or an automotive designer, it's like, it's like the kid who's banging on the pots and the pans when he's two. He's going to want to play the drums. Um, versus you know, maybe someone who's born with no rhythm, no matter how many lessons they have, 
they'll never be a good musician. How much of it is something that you feel like you were born with this ability to create and design and draw? And then when you go to a place like Art Center, what is the learning process? What are you being taught there? And how are you learning to refine your skills and, and really achieve that level of success you're looking for? Well, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of biased because I'm still teaching there, <laughs> but I think the thing that um, and I don't want to talk you know I don't have to say art center art center art center. Sometimes there's a reputation for us art center people that we're kind of like a a clique that definitely thinks we're pretty awesome. <laughs> but because there are really good schools, CCS you mentioned is really good. Cincinnati is really good as well, but. Um, I think with Art Center, uh, the caliber is so insanely high, it's daunting. Um, like you said, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about how difficult it is. I think um, U.S. Business News and um, Time, they were ranking the most difficult colleges in the United States, and it was MIT, Harvard, and then Art Center was number three um, because of what the amount of work you have to produce and the amount of thinking involved and the time. It's there. It's it's very strenuous. I remember staying up three nights in a row, sleeping on the floor, um, falling asleep in the parking lot with the door open in my, in my car. Um, it def- definitely teaches you perseverance. But I think what happens is the cream of the crop throughout the country end up going there. So when you're in high school or community college, you think you're the best. Like, oh, this is, you know, I love doing this. This is what I was born to do. And you go to this college, and then everybody's really good if not way better than you, and it's an eye-opener. And all of a sudden, the level of competition is very intense. And it's, um, that competition really improves your skill set immensely um, because you go from just competing against yourself, then all of a sudden you're competing against your classmates, and that, that drive is uh, improving your skill. You're surrounded by um, people who love doing the same thing as you with a different take on it. Um, you learn from your classmates a lot. All the instructors there are working professionals uh, in the industry, so they share their knowledge with you. So you learn a lot from them. And um, I see everybody when they start Art Center, when they leave, the level of quality is really in, uh, incredible, actually, how it, how it uh, ratchets up. And I think that difficulty makes that bond. It's like when we just said, oh, Art Center, Art Center, and, you know, we were very close in graduating years. It's like, it's like that wink and that nod or that elbow nudge. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, you went through that. I had that instructor. You had that instructor. You, did, you had that experience. Oh, you were in the fishbowl. I was in the fishbowl. And these, uh, these shared experiences really create a bond. And what's really cool about that bond is it's global. So I'll go to the Tokyo Motor Show or Geneva Motor Show, and you kind of do the head nod to the people you know that went to school, or you'll go to the designer night party, and there's that art center click that um, joins up there. And sometimes we wear these little orange dots, which is the represented, represents the school. So, um, but I think practice, 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 and just the amount of work you have to do, just um, your skill set naturally improves. You guys make me feel like I'm the fifth Beatle for Art Center because I can't draw at all yet. I've talked to enough of you guys that I'm such a huge fan. I have so much respect for you guys that I, I feel like I'm an honorary member, which, which I'm, you know, it, it's just one, one guy's opinion. Um, what I like, though, is you both have gone on to have such diverse 
feels. You, you know, Ian or um, Brian, you make Hot Wheels. You design Hot Wheels cars, toys. Um, and, and then Ian, you're the you know studio chief designer for Calty, which is Toyota's design uh, firm or design center here in Los Angeles. Uh, how did you guys, what was the next step? I mean, I know, Brian, you could talk a little bit. You even went and worked in China for a while designing cars. Yeah, yeah. So I actually spent 10 years in the car industry before coming to Hot Wheels. So that really prepared me for Hot Wheels, actually. Um, I uh, graduated from Art Center and started at um, Honda immediately there. Uh, spent five years at Honda. Um, started out doing um, primarily sculpting and then uh, worked my way into uh, design and um and then uh, after after Honda, I I jumped around a bit. I did some contract work, so uh, I was kind of designer for hire. Uh, worked at um, Mercedes, Mitsubishi, and then I went out to a company called Johnson Controls in Michigan. So um, they're kind of an automotive supplier, doing automotive interiors for a number of companies. And uh, during my time there, worked with Ford, GM, and Chrysler uh, each for about a year. After three winters in Michigan, I was out. <laughs> I, I loved the company I worked for and the work I was doing there. Um, it, it was great, but I, I couldn't take another winter, so I had to get back out here to California. Um, and then uh, during that little stint, a uh, couple years uh, of running my own studio, I, uh, I did some work with the Chinese, um, several Chinese manufacturers, uh, um, Great Wall and First Auto, uh, to name a couple, um, and uh, did go out to Shanghai. Um, I was offered a position to run a studio in Shanghai right there, you know, was it 2004? Chinese car industry was really ramping up, um, and I almost took that. I almost uh, shipped my family out to China, um, but they just they weren't able to offer quite enough to make it worth uh you know uh, relocating my family well, and how is the chinese automotive market because they you know we build cars and we ship them all over the world um as a lot as a lot of other manufacturers china builds cars for china they don't really make it to america is there a big difference when you're working on and designing cars in china versus in america yeah i mean i think um at at the time i was working with the chinese uh, car companies, there was very much um, a desire to give it an American look. So, um, I mean, they were really uh, looking for American talent that could help them uh, achieve that look that they, they were aspiring towards at the time. I think the, the Chinese market's changed quite a bit since um, my time working uh, there, but I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Well, I just want to briefly touch on something actually you asked earlier about. I wanted to just go back to the talent yeah. the thing. I just want to say that uh, as an instructor up there and having gone through this, that natural talent is a large part of it. But if you really want to do it, you can learn it. And um, you can find your way into this industry somehow. So I just want to say if you really feel passionate about a career like this or any kind of design field, um, put your heart into it, and you'll find success. So you may not end up exactly where you want to be, but you'll be doing something um, within the design and art industry. So um, regarding my journey, I think uh, after I graduated, um, I, had, I was thinking about going to Europe or Detroit, um, had a couple of job offers, and at the very last second, Calty Design actually called me up. And um, I... <laughs> 
it's funny because I didn't have anything ready because all my interviews in Detroit and France and Italy were going to be a couple weeks later. So I threw something together really quickly. I drove down to um, Newport Beach where Calthy's located and uh, interviewed. And then that night I, w I went home and that night they called me and offered me the job. And I was like, oh my God, I get to stay in California <laughs> and I get to do the job I love, win-win. So that was, man, 97, that was a while ago. So um, I took the job and uh, I've been there ever since. And you know, usually in this, in this industry, as you mentioned, you do move around and, and that's how you get more experience. And I never expected to stay at Calthe for so long, but after you know, 17, 18 years, I'm still there because the, the expanse of opportunity, um, what you can do there is so large. Um, we, um, Calthe was the first actual uh, car design studio in California. I don't know if anybody knows that, but we were the first one to be set up in California. So Toyota was very groundbreaking back in the day, the early 70s. It started out in El Segundo. It moved to um, Newport Beach in the late 70s. Um, that's always was, when I was at school, it was this mystery box. I didn't really know anything about it because we didn't hire that much back then. Actually, I wanted to work for Honda because Honda was hiring everybody. And when Calthe called, it was like, ooh, they're, they're mysterious. That's cool. So I went down there. Um, through my career there, and I guess why I've stayed, is that there's so much variety and opportunity working for this Toyota, the museum that we're at right now. We do the Toyota brand, the Scion brand, and the Lexus brand. So there's, there's three different types of design you can be doing. And also the amount of vehicles we make I mean, I don't think um, I've worked on the same thing twice, and when I do, it's four or five years apart. So there's so much variety. Um, regarding your question about the China, I think um, we design vehicles for a global market, so we have to take into account Chinese taste, North American taste, Japan taste, European taste. Um, I think you know, maybe 10 years ago, Chinese taste was a little bit um, different. It was always kind of a little bit more... Uh, American-esque, but I think the world is kind of coalescing to because of the internet and social media and just publications, so design is design, and I think everybody's kind of moving towards a kind of globalized image of what design is, so we find less and less that we're designing specifically for China or Europe or Japan. It's what what is better for our brand uh, globally is a kind of a single message. And you've been with Calte now and Toyota for 16 years. Um, you know, Toyota, Lexus, Scion, you guys have had some revolutionary cars in that decade and a half. What are some of the projects that you've worked on and designed? Uh, personally, um, if I'm just counting back, besides the ones that are going to come out in the future, I think the Lexus LFLC concept car, um, we managed that project from the very start. That was probably the most recent exciting project um, I've worked on, my team worked on. Um, Toyota Avalon, current Toyota Avalon, um, Scion TC, uh, Toyota Venza, Toyota Sienna, um, trying to think, uh, ABAT show car, which is one of my favorite show cars I ever worked on, actually. It's, I wish it was in the museum here. Um, 2008, hybrid pickup truck, super groundbreaking. I think it's still an awesome product. Um, uh, FTSX concept car. 
So what happens with designers, maybe you're the same way, is the always there's one in the old one that's in your heart, but it's always like the newest one is the most exciting one because it's, it's most recent in your memory, and it's kind of you keep taking everything you learn and putting it into the next model. And I think because you keep pushing forward or keep pushing for the new, the latest one is always the one you like the most, usually. So right now I love Lexus LFLC. I think that's it. And that kind of roughly became the RCF now. Or there's a lot of elements that have gone from that into the uh, RCF. Well, that, that's hard to say. Well, I think, I think it, um, that car influenced a lot of the front end on the RCF, the spindle. The spindle grill was already existing, but I think the way we treated it was influential within the company. And you'll see it influence a lot of um, Lexus products moving forward. I think... Honestly, as a, these last five years and then moving forward has been the best um, part of the, my job at Calti because Toyota, Lexus, Scion, especially Lexus as a brand, has been moving way more bold than we used to be. So um, to a point where we're willing to push design to not satisfy everybody. It's okay to offend some people because now we're at a point where we'd rather stand out than blend in. And that didn't used to be the case. So I think uh, we're really pushing bold design, and um, it's a really exciting time for us. Um, so yeah, if, you know, we don't always have to, we don't always have to get cars on the road to influence. I think part of Calty's role within the larger design, the Toyota design group, is to influence and to inspire. So a lot of times we make models every year that the public will never see ever. My family's never seen them. Um, they're just internal, and we use them as, uh, like, uh, basically as study pieces to show the head companies. Like, this is something we could do. This is something we think has a lot of potential. And if somebody picks a little piece of it, that's a success. That's really great. So we're there to inspire, and that's why we're in California, really, is to take everything that's happening in the California design field, whether it's entertainment design, architectural design, even just general art field, environmental design, and we try to take those influences and kind of um, put it all together in this uh, recipe to make something new and exciting. And, and that's sort of where I was going with that is, you know, it's not a, a carbon copy, and you oftentimes you see the concepts at the LA Auto Show or any auto show, you see these bold concepts where everyone goes, yeah, but that's not, that's not what's going to be. You know, that, that's the, what it looks like now, but when it comes out in two years, it's going to be something maybe slightly different, maybe drastically different. Um, from a designer standpoint, what, what is sort of the process of taking the car from, you know, this, this one-off design and then maybe sort of fighting for or trying to keep design elements and then having to sort to, um, to then change your design for more of the mass market? Well, you know, a lot of times we, you know, concept cars are the, it's the fun part of, I mean, it's all fun. I actually really love production design, but concept cars are kind of, if you think about fashion design, the concept cars are like the couture shows in Paris or Milan, where it's like the ultimate expression or your dream condition. This is the ideal condition. And also we're putting stuff out there to challenge somebody, or to challenge people's perceptions of design and imagery. So we'll do something a little bit more radical to test the waters, to kind of dip the toe in the water and see what people think. A lot of times we don't do show cars that are um, 
just for nothing. They have some influence on a future product or we're actually trying to gauge public reaction to something. Um, I think the challenge um, is to keep the spirit of the concept car into the production car. You know, when you do a concept car, and some of them are in this museum here, you don't have to fit in them so well. You know, and if you hit your head when you get in the car, that's okay because it's a concept car. And it has no wheel gap because you're never going to drive over the parking curb or the bump in the road. And, um, you know, the doors, do they really open? Nah. You know, so those things don't matter. When you move to a production car, all of a sudden, you have to use this thing for five to ten years maybe. And you have to get in and out of the car every day, five times a day. And it has to start every time you do it. And you have to be able to see out of it. And you have to be able to drive at 80 miles an hour over potholes and freeways. So those things really change um, the design. And a lot of times designers, when we put the, car sh the show cars, the production cars out, you know, we're like, hey, that's pretty good. And then we try not to read blogs. But sometimes you read the blog <laughs> and people say, what happened to this concept car? And you just want to write back, you don't know what really happened behind the scenes. And... Um, but I think, to be honest, I, I think the whole industry, ourselves included, are getting a lot better at, at replicating what you saw on the concept stand to what is actually getting on the road. And sometimes there's a big discrepancy, but even in our recent past, if you think about the FJ Cruiser, that was a Calty show car. Um, in the, I can't remember exactly what year that was, but the production FJ Cruiser looks remarkably like the show car. And um, you'll be seeing more of that direct connection in the near future. And I think not just us, but the whole industry is getting better. Maybe some of that's because we stopped doing concept cars like they did in the 50s, where they had rocket engines and bubble tops. And uh, I think the industry is, the concept cars are moving closer to reality, and the real cars are moving closer to concept. So... Like I said, it's actually a really great time to be a designer. I'm kind of jealous of the graduating students nowadays because they're, they're getting a job into this really like a golden era of design, I think. And Brian, you um, go through the exact same process, which I find fascinating. For you know, a 99-cent car you get at Target or Walmart, there is tons of research and development. There are concepts that don't make it into production, uh, and then there are um, you know, all sorts of different variations from the concept to the final you know product that you've got here in the box so what what it is sort of the from beginning the thought in your head to when it goes into a box yeah well i'm i'm pretty spoiled at hot wheels because pretty much everything we do is a concept car um, so um and even when i was in the car industry i remember always thinking like hot wheels that's like the ultimate expression of car design yeah so we can just yeah, be wild and crazy and let our imagination loose and um, you know be true to our our um, original concepts and um, you know obviously people don't need to sit in them they don't need to uh, pass emissions and all those things um, uh, but of course we do have our own set of safety standards and reliability standards and everything that we have to deal with so it's not all fun and games as uh, I can attest to um, but uh, yeah, so uh, it's uh, it's a process. We, you know, we um, basically what is it like nine nine months to a year uh, is the the process of developing a design. We uh, you know start with sketches and and immediately move into three um, D phase. And uh, th I think the 
the one thing I miss a little bit about you know the car industry is that you know we had a lot more time to finesse a design. You know, you can really make something um, you know sophisticated and, and gorgeous in a way that you don't have time to in, in the car, uh, in the toy industry. But um, but it's a trade off because we we get to really um, express our, our creativity in, in a way that I could never do in the in the car industry. So um, there's pros and cons to each, but. Um, uh, anyway, so, you know, it, and it depends, like, a lot of times we're doing replicas of existing cars. So there, there's that whole side of Hot Wheels, too, where, you know, we, we have pretty much, we work with every automotive manufacturer. We have partnerships with all of them and, and, and create replicas of, of existing cars. It's about 50% of what, what we do. And then the other 50% is what we call Hot Wheels Originals. So um, those are cars just from the imagination of our designers. And when we're designing those Hot Wheels originals, um, we're always thinking of them as real cars. All of our designers always think of the car we're designing as a real car. As if, okay, you know, can you kind of think about, well, where would the engine be? Where would the people be? Even though there may not literally be enough room for all that, um, but you kind of think in those terms. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but... <laughs> no, you did. And, and you know, one of the projects you've worked on that I think at least everybody here has seen because it's been such a huge hit with Star Wars coming out is you did the Darth Vader original Star Wars car. Uh, it, what's so cool about it is, is it looks like a car, but it, you know, it doesn't just look like Darth Vader and it doesn't just look like a car. It, you sort of combine them both very evenly. And then... Instead of going from, hey, let's take a, you know, a Porsche 911, scale it down, put it in a box, you guys went, hey, let's take this original car we made and let's make it into a real full-size car. Yeah, that, that's been really exciting. And uh, over the past few years, Hot Wheels has, has built a number of full-size cars, bringing our 164 scale creations uh, to life as real cars. And when we do, we always make sure it's a fully functioning uh, car. You know, They're performance cars. So... Uh, it's pretty cool to to see these things come to life, and um, you bring up the Darth Vader car, and, and that's that's an interesting one too because I actually um, uh, sketch. I had an underlay uh, when I was doing the side view on that car. Um, actually, it was a Viper. It originally, uh, ultimately, ended up being developed on a Corvette platform. But I was thinking of a car like that, basically, um, and so uh, you know all. Uh, the the proportions actually work out. So a lot of people thought, well, there's no way when we decided to uh, make it into a real car, they thought there's no way you're going to be able to fit an engine in there. It's too it's too, um, uh, too small. Narrow. It's too too thin, narrow. Um, but uh, I knew at the time that that it would work because I had I'd kind of worked around a, an actual um, platform that I thought would work. Um, ultimately, like I said, we ended up building it on a Corvette platform, and, and it is a high-performance car, so you know it's um, fully functioning, um, and that and that's really exciting to to be able to work on something like that. So I've kind of come full circle, working on, on full-size cars to little cars, and then making them um, a reality in full size again. And the both of you have such a strong heritage with the companies you work for or work with. Hot Wheels you know, has been around since the 60s and has some iconic Hot Wheels that have been developed over the year. Toyota has had an amazing heritage. You know, we have a 2000 GT right here in the room and just some incredible cars you see out in the museum hall through the years. Are either of you ever looking back on your heritage, looking back on those old designs, maybe old concepts, um, to be inspired for future projects? 
Uh, I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times as a company in the recent past, we tried not to look too much at the past for future inspiration. Um, I think we were always trying to find the new, which was, which was fun as a designer, but also very challenging. A lot of times it's, I, it's easier when you have something to look back on and use as a reference, make a new version of an older thing. So we were always trying to stay away from that. But I think um, more recently, we're a little bit more um, uh, aware of the cool things that we did as a company. Uh, for example, FJ Cruiser is another good example. The FJ40 Land Cruiser is a really cool car, actually. I, I love that thing. It's so cool. 2000 GT is my favorite. If I, had to, if I could walk out of this museum today with any car... It would be the olive green 2000 GT in the museum back there. Um, I'm partial to like the the early 90s bubble Celicas, the all track turbos with the hood scoop, um, and I think current foreign. So, anyways, we we are willing now to look back at hey, we did some cool stuff. FJ Cruiser Land Cruiser is that's cool heritage. We do cool stuff. It's all over the planet. It's saving people's lives in earthquakes and and that kind of stuff and. 2000 GT, yeah, that car is sexy. Supra is sexy. There's cool stuff in those cars, and there's something to look at that beautiful shape and, and try to, to carry something forward through that. I think it's also very brand-specific. So Toyota has a longer heritage. Lexus is a little bit newer. So I think with that brand, we're, we're more um, fashion-forward, if you want to use that term, is to, is to really challenge um, typical design and push something new. Um, Scion's a little bit different. Um, Scion's a little bit more um, youthful and out there. So that brand lets you kind of totally start from scratch and um, when you can, do something new every time. So it, it depends on the brand, but you know, looking through what we have here at this museum, I like, oh yeah, that was cool. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I'm kind of looking forward to the day where we can go back to what I call like the robot design era of Toyota, like the early 80s, like 83 Supra, 84 Supra, or 80, like that really square MR2 supercharged. I, I'm wondering if we'll ever get back to that era. That could be kind of cool as a reference point. But yeah, we use some heritage, but mostly we're looking forward. And Brian? Yeah, for, for Hot Wheels, um, it's a little both. Um, Obviously, Hot Wheels has a very, very strong heritage as well. Um, been around since 1968, and there's some really iconic, classic cars that we've uh, designed there. Um, you know, I think of Twin Mill. Um, um, you know, things like that. Uh, the the originals, uh, 16 cars. We, we you know, we we uh, allude to um, our past a lot, and um, but we also are very much forward thinking, and and we try very much to be a reflection of what's really going on in the car industry. So. Um, you know, we have all these wonderful partnerships with um, all the great OEMs, um, and and so we're we're always working with them, and and, and sometimes we'll partner with them um, on on a, on a new design. So, um, you know, we're looking at for future technologies. We're looking at you know uh, new ways to think about cars, uh, but also you know uh, there's always a little nod nod to the past as well. And even with the Darth Vader car that we just mentioned. Um, because uh, in trying to be true to the Darth Vader character, I really felt like Darth Vader himself is, is quite timeless. And so I wanted to uh, get at that sort of quality in the design of the car. And so I looked a little bit to our past um, 
to kind of um, you know pull a little bit from the past, but also pull from the future and and executing that that vehicle design. So there's a little hint of sort of the the twin mill era of Hot Wheels design in there. And right now, I would like to open it up to anyone here who has uh, might have a question for Brian or Ian. Is there anybody with questions? Show of hands, not all at once. Hey, open the front. I collect FX-16s and, of course, Studebakers. Uh, I haven't seen FX-16 in a long time. Come to my driveway. <laughs> Take your pick. Actually, you know what? Actually, my I think my second favorite, my first favorite Toyota car is 2000 GT. My second favorite is actually missing in this collection. It's the Sports 800, little S800 from the mid to late 60s. I, I was recently in Japan, so I got to live there for a year and a half and work for the headquarters and I was so tempted to buy one while I was in Japan. And they're expensive, but they're so cool. They're so tiny and a timeless design. So FX-16 is cool. Twin cam, hot hatch. Uh, hot, hatch hot hatch era is great. You know, that, that, that car again, was, robot design, 80s. Yeah, that, that car was developed. Actually, that car was supposed to go after the, uh, the Scirocco or the VW Rabbit Turbo. Yep. And uh, I got a couple... Um, automatics and i just was telling somebody here i raced a mustang <laughs> and he said what's in that I said four banger and he's like yeah right i said go buy a toyota yeah does anybody else anybody else have some questions i love that you shared about the fj cruiser because i have one and in fact now i remember seeing the concept car and then several years later when i saw it in the lobby at toyota i was so excited i got one of the first ones but um, my question deals with actually uh, diversity in terms of design in the car design field. And I think that's why I so appreciate the Toyota Dream Car Art Contest because uh, I think last year a couple of the winners that went on to the world were girls, uh, young girls. And I thought that was really exciting. And that's when I became first aware of the fact that there aren't that many women in the field. Um, when I first got my FJ, I was just curious, uh, you know, because I went, oh, they must have really designed this for a guy because it didn't have a mirror on the driver's side. And I actually had to buy that. To add, and it didn't also have a place to put my quarters for my laundry and stuff. I had to buy the ashtray thing and stick it in there. And I had to buy, then I had to buy some other things. And I'm just curious how, um, because I'm sure it's still a very male-dominated field, how you reach out for those kinds of things. You know, maybe I'm not the traditional um, driver of an FJ Cruiser, you know, but um, I, I get pulled over a lot. It's usually guys that want to buy my car. Darn it, I'm not getting asked out. But I'm just curious how you work with women in terms of the design or actually mentoring maybe with young, with, with students and a variety of things. I'm just curious how you as designers who, you're male, you know, how do you work with, to increase diversity in the design industry? Well, I would... I would say, you know, when I when I went to Art Center at first, and definitely in the '60s and '70s, it was it was all men, you know. And uh, when I first went to Art Center, it would be majority guys, and there was one, you know, there'd be one female student, and it was definitely more of a surprise. But I think um, what I've really liked over the years is there's definitely much more diversity now. I think the school, all the schools, are trying to search that out. And I don't even know if they have to search that out that much. I think because of the internet, there's a, the internet has kind of taken it away from being a regional cultural thing to being more of a global thing. And so as I've been teaching, you know, I've been teaching since 98 and I've seen the changes 
So there's much more, there are many, way more female students, and then also students from all over the world, where, you know, it used to be kind of, there were white guys. And then now it's, it's definitely more um, diverse. I think, to be honest with you, the female students, um, I don't even want to just say female students, the students, they're some of the best, um, maybe because they have to prove themselves more you know, in that kind of that environment. So I think the talent level is really high from everybody. And I think we're also getting people from all over the world. Um, I've seen a lot more students from India and China and Latin America. And um, it's really interesting. I think it's good. I think that honestly, you know, we, because we do cars for, we don't, we just, Kalti does production cars. But we also do advanced concepts. We do the concept cars. But we also do advanced studies that are aiming for um, five years out, 10 years out, 20 years out. So we're trying to make a hypothesis for the future. And right now, actually, the consumer base, actually, right now, majority of people purchasing things are female. And there's a higher rate of female college entrance. And so things are changing. So also I think the attitudes, it used to be, oh, men's cars are this. Women's cars are this. You know, one's masculine, one's macho, one's cute. And I think that era is kind of gone because I have female friends that love their BMW M3s, right? And I have guy friends that love their BMW M3s or their Toyota Supras or whatever, or FJ Cruisers, right? So... I think that era of this is that and this is that is over. And uh, we're always act we're actively looking for, searching for diverse designers because we need more opinions. And what's good about the contest then, having those kind of opportunities and creative outlets for female people? Yeah, and I, you know, also teaching at Art Center, we're, we're always searching for, um, we, always, we need new students. We need new students to keep the school going. So it's a win-win to get more diversity in the industry, but also to get more students into the school and to keep the programs going and to make something um, new and relevant for consumer. Because in the end, um, both our companies, we're making things that we need people to buy. So. My first car was a Barbie car and also a Tonka truck. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we have one more question down here in the front. Brian, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Two, two questions. Um, I was involved with your, um, you guys went to Mexico and did uh, like this drifting event. Um, it was pretty cool. We went to two places, Leon and um, Mexico City. I'm not sure. I don't remember seeing you there. I wasn't there for that. No. Yeah, I, I wasn't there for that. I actually was uh, in Mexico City last year for the, um, the Hot Wheels convention. Okay. But, yeah, we do do a lot of uh, events like that. Yeah, the, the one question is, are you going to do more? Because that was really cool. And then the second one is that um, I actually have a high school uh, tour that um, that we're doing. And um, I'm glad I came here because it was like a last-minute email I got. So I want to talk about that. But are you guys going to be doing – I don't see you as active in the high schools. Or maybe you are, but I just don't really know about it. But it seems like Mattel is really secretive about a lot of things. Um, uh, <laughs> No, I, I think we are active, um, and I think we're, we're uh, striving to be more active. I think uh, right now we've got a real big push with um, STEM and STEAM. Um, and so um, 
we were part of Maker Fair in Washington, D.C. earlier this year, and uh, we had a, a big presence there. We, um, we had developed a uh, core curriculum uh, that we called Speedometry um, that is really um, meant to take, basically allow kids to take Hot Wheels cars and tracks and utilize those um, to, to learn uh, concepts of physics and, and different mathematical um, learning like that. So um, that's been very successful for us. Uh, we had the sort of the initial launch, um, I think it was last year, uh, where we kicked it off with a few select schools and, and, and we're pushing that out broader in, in, the, in the coming months and years. So um, we are very active with that and we're active uh, with a lot of local schools here around the Mattel campus. Um, both in um, you know things like that as well as um, sort of um, more uh, benevolent kind of things where we will we'll do um, like around Christmas time we do a big event for uh, disadvantaged kids where we bring them in uh, to Mattel and and have a great Christmas party for them and, and lots of fun stuff like that so we're always involved um, with children in, in various ways um, Mattel has a long history actually of being very active uh, in both ch children's charities and, and education and things like that. So, um, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to know about stuff if, if, if uh, maybe we need to do a better job of getting the word out. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Ian for coming in and Brian also as well for coming in as a part of the Toyota Dream Car Art Contest. I, I think this is a great example if you're a young child who just has the passion to draw and imagine and dream to really hear what your life can be like, that there is, you know, yes, there, we can all become doctors and pro athletes and astronauts, especially if you're really talented, you could do all three. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people who are artists and they're not quite sure what their future is going to hold. So I, I believe you two are great inspirations and examples of growing up to become what you wanted to do. We'll put all the links on carstories.com for the dream art contest. You can win anything from an iPad to a trip to Japan. And it sounds like there will be the next future car designer somewhere in there. Uh, so once again, uh, Ian and Brian, thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.